everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. You know what? This this just doesn't feel right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Simply Amazing, the official New York Mets podcast of MetsmerizedOnline.com. He is your host, Tim Ryder. And in the house we got your boy, making my triumphant return to my home away from home here at Metsmerized. It is Andrew Claudio, and I am thrilled to be here with you. Tim, how you doing today, man? Long time no speak. I'm doing okay, man. It is so cool to hear your voice. So cool to have you back. This is this is going to be fun. It has been a while. It's been a, a joy to listen. And if we could just take everybody behind the scenes uh, edit as well, <laughs> this show for the past <laughs> couple of months and through the offseason and through the chaos that has been the New York Mets and taking forever to find a manager only to have him not be the manager three months later. But I am looking forward to talking to Mets with you, buddy. Same here, man. And yeah, it's been some wild, wild times. Uh, the Mets, as as everybody knows, the Mets are still looking to fill their vacant managerial position with uh, <laughs> just over eight weeks to go till opening day, which is always an exciting adventure to go on. Um, there are still a couple of roster holes. There's been a little buzz as far as where the Mets might turn to next as far as their offseason plans. Um, and, and we got some exciting news on uh, on Monday as well, but we'll we'll get to all that. Let's start off with the managerial search because that feels like what should be first and foremost on Brody Van Wagenen and the the Mets brass's list. Um, Andrew, who, who's your pick? I, I know the Mets have some in-house candidates. They have some, uh, I guess, no one that they've actually been reported to reaching out to as far as the experienced veteran managers, but. Which way would you go? Would you go in-house? Would you go experienced guy? I want to hear your thoughts. So it's got to be one of two things. It's either got to be Rojas. You just promote from within and do it that way. Or Mullins, the bench coach, just becomes the manager and you put Rojas as the bench coach. I don't see them going outside the organization, especially with a brand new staff that they just hired. It's unfair to them and it's the quickest fix that doesn't cause the most damage. Um, I don't see them going outside and hiring a brand new manager because he's going to bring a brand new staff in as well. The only other radical idea, and I I knew once I was coming on this pod, I had to at least bring it up because it sounded crazy to me. But sometimes I go to people that are smarter than me to confirm whether something is crazy. Um, so AJ Hinch is out of baseball for the next year, no matter what, right? Uh, yes, one year. He can come back, I guess, after next year's World Series. He's eligible. So what's to say that Brody doesn't go to his buddy, who it's been reported that's who he wanted to be the manager all along. What's to say he doesn't go to A.J. Hinch in a year, predicated on the fact that whoever they make the manager doesn't get the job done and they don't make the playoffs again, and says, come rehabilitate your career here. It's a young team. It's a chance to start fresh. You'll be walking into a good situation. Is it that crazy? I I couldn't see it happening. It's wild. This guy has to be away from baseball for a long time before he can come back. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I'm actually I'm under the impression that this might be just the beginning of a of a black ball type scenario. Ooh, okay. Um, I, depending on how how wide open this thing gets busted, because I really don't believe that we've gotten anywhere near all the information and all the news we're going to get out of this. Um. And no, I I don't see I I don't even see Brody keeping unless things change considerably this year and he hits 
on whatever moves he made this offseason. Um, if and when Steve Cohen comes in, which mm. in my head it's pending MLB approval, I don't think Brody's going to be around much longer. But um, no, I, I, I see it as a very big question mark if so, AJ Hinch is going to be hired. So it is again. crazy. So it is crazy. I just, yeah, I think so. Shout out to, I know he's not listening, but to my friends, just to, it's never going to happen. Uh, point being, uh, it would be Rojas and Mullins would be my choice of manager for this team. Who are you thinking? I, I like Rojas. I'm a big, big Rojas proponent. Um, Tony DeFrancesco, who's been the uh, Mets AAA manager the past two seasons, um, he's had a lot of experience with these guys. He's the team's first base coach this season. Uh, if Mullins gets uh, hired to go elsewhere, you know, having two inexperienced guys, one as a manager, and in my head it's going to be Rojas, and then as his bench coach, I assume you would go to a uh, a T. Francesco. I'm actually kind of um, curious as to if the Mets turn back to Tim Bogar. He made it through a couple of rounds of interviews um, the first time around before they hired Beltran. But wouldn't Bogar want to hire his own staff? I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bogar comes in as a bench coach. Oh, okay. So you he's been on a major Rojas and make Bogar the bench coach. I don't hate that. that okay. That's if Mullins leaves. That's if Mullins leaves because I know Boston's shown interest. Um, Boston if, should if, just hire Veritech. That's you want to talk about a, a PR move they have to make. Just hire a guy that will remind them of 2004. Oh, sure, that'll you know? certainly um, put a smile on the fans' faces. But so is winning. And if they hold right. on to, if they hold on to Mookie Betts, um, that's still a, a decent team. Even without Betts, it's still a decent team. Are they? Are they were going full fire sale now, right? Like, well, they they came out and said so at the beginning of the offseason that they wanted to get underneath the um the collective um excuse me the competitive balance tax which was 208 million this year uh just recently in the past week or so Red Sox ownership and front office management whatever you want to call them they came out and said oh the media has driven this narrative uh we're not necessarily looking to get under the the threshold mm. yeah so okay. it's it's strange so- i think what it's you're, leverage. What you're I, saying is that they didn't get any significant offers, so they have to rewrite the script of what their offseason plan is, especially after they just fired their manager. You know. Well, I'm sure they got significant offers. Um, maybe it's just not the offer they wanted to see uh, put on the table, and they're looking for a little more. And this, it feels like a leverage move for them to come out and change their stance so publicly. But we, we shall see. But um, you see what I'm saying, though, right? Like. Oh, they yeah. went from we're rebuilding, we're looking to trade Mookie Betts to our manager got fired. So to tell our fan base that we're not going full uh, fire sale, like full tank, we're going to let them know that we're still going to compete this year and try to change the subject from the fact that our manager just got fired, you know? Well, yeah, and there's still um, hammers to come down on the tw- on the Red Sox for 2018. They're still under investigation by Major League Baseball. True, true. So uh, now, yeah, they. Um, I think they've just kind of cooled their heels, waiting on on what's next. Um, I, I there's a, a lot of question marks. I think that there's been whispers of other organizations doing this. Um, the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers. I, I you know, I, I, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying what I heard. And right, me too. It, it's not a credible source or anything like that it's just whispers but i hear the yankees had some sort of thing going on that's like, right that's right you say it out loud tim there you go no i i'm not a yankee hater and no, i'm not accusing I know you're anybody not, but of I anything am for i'm you. just saying what i heard and 
it, it, this, it seems to be a widespread thing. That's all I'm saying. And uh, there's going to be more information coming out. Um, I hope it's not true. I really do. I hope it's a, it's a contained thing because it's a it's a stain on the on the game. It's um, it's really it's a hit to the integrity aspect of the of the game. It's it's a sad day for baseball. It yeah. was a sad day for baseball when this all came out. It was a terrible day. And we'll get um, into it when when you're on my pod. Do a little bit more about the broader picture about baseball, but. Yeah, oh, I'm excited for that. It's tough for me to be like, and like, I'm sure you played baseball. I played baseball. Stein, sign stealing happens. You know, it's up to you to change your signs and make them hard to steal and hard to decode. But the Astros were doing just it was just a completely different level. It wasn't stealing signs. It was literally, I know what you're throwing, and I'm going to hit it or not hit it because I know it's coming. Uh, it's a completely different level of sign stealing. So um, yeah, no, they crossed a line, and you know, but I, I can't wait for that conversation because yeah, yeah, I have thoughts. I certainly do. Yeah, as far as the manager goes, I, I mean, we've we've talked about this. Like, how much does a manager actually? Like Mickey Callie, we won eighty six games last year. I get it. Like, a better manager is significant and can make a difference. But we're talking about a guy that's really just got to be a. a uh, knows how to write a lineup that is more modern, that is going to conform to how the, today's game is played, isn't going to be stubborn, and is actually going to know how to play baseball or manage baseball in 2020. And if he's good with the media, then he should be fine. I mean, uh, he's learned his he's related to the Alou family. Baseball's in his blood. He's been He's been being groomed for this position. I'm talking about Rojas, of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, he's been being groomed for this position since 2007. Um, you would think that within the organization, whether it's a different regime or not, they should feel he's ready. And I think that announcement's going to come soon because they really they they can't sit on their ha- on their hands here. Um, what the but, Mets yeah, Ro- sit Rojas on their hands with an, with an announcement? They would never do such a thing. No, I think they're they're trying to make the right choice, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're gauging interest from the roster themselves. Right, and which makes me think even more so that they're going to go towards uh, the direction of an in-house candidate. But uh, yeah, we we shall see, and I'm sure we're going to get an answer soon. But um, did you happen to catch the uh, I guess reignited talks of Starling Marte being a trade target of the Mets? Literally, because a certain someone wrote an article this weekend that I did let me change the subject from the. The pain, but also fun that was us deciphering everything coming out of buzzer gate and all of the Houston Astros videos from no, the weekend. No, Andrew, I'm going to cut you off. We will not use fun names. Okay, for, for that's what's right. going on. Okay, I do, I'm not a fan. You're not of a fan. Making light. Okay, we can it's- wait for my pod to do. We can wait for my pod to do it. I'm always going to try to find the funny in everything, man. But I know, no, and I get it, and uh, it's that's just why- it's such a source. Well, that's why, like, you're the perfect person to talk about that because I know baseball, like, is at your core. So something like Take this, it very seriously. yeah, something like this, I, I, I'm interested to hear how we move on from this. Um, but yes, I did read the your article about Sterling Marte, and I'm, I, I keep going back and forth because this roster is to me is kind of full. But like you said, at the right price, yeah, I'd love a Sterling Marte. I'd know, I'd love another right-handed bat in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. He hits righties actually better than he hits lefties. Um, so well, no, just he, like and, sig- significantly, just a right-hander. Like we have our, our lineup is so already left-handed dominant that I'd, I'd love to have another righty that can hit for power and play a little defense. 
Oh, I think, and I think Marte is, I mean, of course, in a vacuum, um, the level of value that they were hoping for when they signed Juan Lagares to that extension. Mm. Um, he's got, you know, tremendous outfield defense. Uh, last year, I mean, it was a career year for him, but, uh, it, you know, he's still got a, lo- a lot of life in his bat. And I believe that um, he could really be a- an asset. He would certainly lengthen out this roster you know, completely, he would turn the Mets bench into a, uh, just an absolute beast. What the return is going to be that that's the big question. If Pittsburgh is looking for major league players, I, I don't think I make that deal. We have all these cheap, affordable, um, very talented and valuable assets. In my mind, there's no reason to move that. Um, if the Pittsburgh pirates are looking to take prospects, which these guys are in like full rebuild, rebuild mode right now. I, I think that's, um, that's a situation the Mets kind of have to look at their log jam at the shortstop position. I mentioned it in the article. Um, Jimenez is just, you know, I think he's ready. He had a down year last year. He dealt with some injuries, got hit by a pitch on the hand, but absolutely took off in the last eight weeks of the season. And then in the, in the Arizona fall league, he was just lights out. Um, I think the Mets should sell high on that. And if you package him with a couple other prospects and, you know, take your pick, it's not really that old deep of a system, but um, there are some, there is some talent here. If you look at, I guess, peripherals and such, I had the couple of names I had in my article were a couple of like, they had four ERAs last year. So yeah, it, it's, uh, it's certainly a, a, a toss up as to who gets packaged with. Well, um, the, the, the headliner, the name that's in because you did, like you said, you did mention a bunch of names in your your article. The name that I, I'm stunned um, that you, I guess, <sighs> Dom Smith, man. Like I, I know Dom Smith's dance squad, but oh yeah, with Alonzo on the team, I keep going back to is Dom Smith here long term, and I wouldn't want to trade him for what in. Reality is a one-year rental with Marte. You know, I'd I'd, I'd love to think that Marte is going to be part of something big here, and I'd rather not trade Smith for something that's going to be here just for a year. But I like you mentioned about because like I feel like I'm giving away your article. Everybody go to Metzmerized and read Tim's no, article. No, give it away. It's yet, been out okay? for a couple of days. Give it away. Well, this so like wrong. it's building around the, the Jed Lowry contract, which you just talked about selling high on Rosar on uh, on Jimenez. Like you'd be selling really low on Lowry. And I feel like you'd also, you'd also probably have to give up something a little more in that type of deal as well. Cause if that being a throw in, you'd probably have to eat some of that contract anyway. Um, I don't know. Well, if you, if you trade Lowry, if you, if you work something around him, the money evens out, which is probably great for, for all parties involved. I, I don't see the Pittsburgh pirates, you know, shelling out big bucks anytime soon. So, um, that might be um, a, a, a great option, but the Mets might have to attach a Jimenez to a Lowry or at least a, a decent prospect to a Lowry to make that work for, for Pittsburgh. See, I don't think Lowry is any type of asset. That's the thing. Like, it's a salary See, dump. Yeah. If he's healthy. I think if he's healthy, it might be. That's a gig- He had seven at-bats last year. That's a gigantic if. He's 36 years old, you know? Like, I get it. Ooh. We're seeing it from our side of things where, like, hey, he's, we're, we're trying to sell him, but... If you're Pittsburgh, you're like, wait, why am I trading for this 36 year old that when you're trading me a shortstop in the minors? Why would I trade for another like middle infielder that played seven games last year that hasn't proved that he could stay on the field? Like, I would love to keep Lowry and 
see what we can get out of him. Right? Really, just yeah, because if he's yeah. your backup shortstop, then to Rosario, it's it's fine. If he's your backup second baseman, it's fine. Like it's literally that utility role that you'd need him to play because your other infield options are J.D. Davis and Dom Smith who don't play up the middle, you know? Oh, certainly. And just to get back onto Dom Smith, um, his left-handed bat, which the Mets are lacking on their bench, it really fits well here. And, you know, if injuries happen in a long season, God forbid Pete does go down, Mm -hmm. moving Dom into into that spot is, um, is always a viable option. But even just in a bench role, Pinch hitting, um, uh, late uh, late inning replacement. Um, I really mostly is a pinch hitting spot. I think. I think he has a knack for that. I think yeah. that his bat's really coming to life. Uh, we saw it happen last year, and uh, the heroics on the last game of the season was just. <laughs> he he belongs in New York. He has the personality for this team, um, and I'm saying this as a fan and. His you know he was a first round pick of the organization. He's finally starting to show. Uh, I guess coming to full bloom and it's, it's fun to see. And I think he brings the energy to the fan base, to the clubhouse that I I think should be here. That being said, if the right deal came along and no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't move him for Marte, but if the right deal came along, yeah, of course. Yeah. He's effectively only the, 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 right now, the player that I just described, he goes to another team. He might be there their everyday first baseman. Easily. He's that good with the glove and um and his bats, like I said, really coming of age. So uh you know, Brody has decisions to make. The yeah. more depth, the better. And I think he really I, I give Brody credit, and I've said this before. He made depth a big, big point of um a point of action in his first season, the last offseason, I should say. And if, if everything worked out, that would have been um you know, it, it it would have been nice if you would have had a healthy team, if Cespedes was back, if Lowry was around, if if Diaz and Cano were, you know, uh, efficient or effective, I should were say. Were productive, yes. Yeah, at all. <laughs> but I think he had the right idea. Um, adding, I guess, deepening the bullpen with Batantes, I think is a great move. Mm. Uh, you have a lot of question marks still, but um, I think a Marte really just – completes this positional roster and it gives everyone a role um it may it turns davis into a a corners bench player who can start in any of those places is he going to be great with the glove no but his bat brings so much to the table that he's going to afford himself playing time uh you're going to have uh, jake marisnik who's going to be able to move around um he's going to be my late inning defensive replacement in the outfield he's a terrific fielder and of course there's the guy we heard about today The king has returned. Ioannis Espinus, <laughs> if you were on Twitter, you guys saw him running and swinging, and he looks active. He might look a little out of shape of sorts. No, I shouldn't say out of shape because he's a monster, but um, maybe just a little soft. And, you know, you spend 18 months rehabbing lower body injuries. That's going to happen. I think we could all cut him a little slack. Um, but boy, he looks healthy and he looks fired up and he is playing for an incentive laden contract this year and he's playing for his contract next year. I am through the roof excited about Cespedes right now. Andrew, are you sharing my enthusiasm? I mean, I'm there with, I, I hope <laughs> you he's... don't sound excited. <laughs> See, 
how many times are we going to watch Jonas Cespedes videos in February and March? And then by May, he's gone. It's I'm not so pessimistic on him that I don't think they can get something out of him this year. But it's a believe it when I see it. You know, we're we're in year four of the contract and we've gotten less than we've got one and a half full seasons, I think, in total, you know, Uh I would love for Yano Anisespers to be a contributing factor for this team. But the reality is, I think at this point in his career, he's a DH. And maybe that means he's a, a six, seven inning player. And then Marisnik or J.D. Davis, which is wild to me that J.D. Davis comes in the game late, uh, comes in and uh, changes things. Um, but... Um, Look, if the Mets get a big year out of UN Cespedes, it changes everything. That that makes this lineup look significantly different. JD Davis and Dom Smith being on this team uh really strengthens your bench. Your I mean, literally, your bench becomes Davis, Smith, Lowry, Nito, Marisnik, and whoever that 26th man is. Um I just I need to see it happen first. You know, like I I told you this last year, like with Cespedes, it's like if he'd be perfect if this was 2022 and the CBA had put the DH in both leagues, but he'll be in a different league by then. Probably he's uh, I, I'll believe it when I see it, Tim. I hate to say it. Uh, I'd love I'd love it. I'd love it if he came back and he was he was 2015, 2016, yo. But uh, I needed some proof to happen first. Oh, I think we all need a little um, to see it, to believe it. I think we're all feeling that way. But just the added motivation he's going to have this year to stay healthy, to perform. Um, I think we're going to see uh, – uh, hopefully he stays healthy. But I think we're going to see uh, an effective – maybe not a five-win Yoannis Cespedes. But um, in a – you know, maybe not an everyday role. If he's a, a 25-home run guy – I think that's but that's all the Mets can really hope for at this point. Yeah. Um where do you bat him he, in the lineup, by the way? Like what's your lineup look like? If you if Yoannis is healthy, where's he batting? If Yoannis is healthy, all right, right now, and I'm I'm putting this in my mind without Marte. Okay. Um now you, I I'm caught a little off guard. Okay. Can I give you mine then? Please do. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. I need to build some ideas because boom, I am just, I'm soaking right now. I'm drenched. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> so here would be my lineup. Batting first, playing third base, Jeff McNeil. Batting second at first, Pete Alonso. No surprise there. Batting third, playing right field, Michael Conforto. Keep him in the three hole. Batting fourth, playing left would be Cespedes. He'd be my cleanup hitter. Then five, six, Cano Ramos, keep it lefty righty, lefty righty. Um, Nimo seven, Rosario eight, and then the pitcher nine. Uh, the absolute best case scenario when I first saw that Cespedes was running and was going to be coming back. If there's any type of chance where he is productive this year, it's that 2017 Ryan Zimmerman season where he had been yeah. beaten up for a couple of years and then all of a sudden, here he comes back. He's a force in the middle of a lineup with Harper, Murphy, and Rendon. Uh, and and I still don't know how that Nationals team didn't win the World Series. That's that's one of those crazy ones. But uh, that that to me would be the best case scenario. No. Oh, I think yeah, I think for sure. And um, 
And now I got a question for you. You had Nimmo down at the bottom of the lineup, which I mm-hmm. love him and Rosario back to back because yeah. there's so many possibilities. But with Nimmo's on base penchant, wouldn't you prefer seeing him up towards the top of the lineup? But where are you putting him? Like who are you dropping? That's what I kept going back to. It's like is Conforto dropping down? Is like is Cano now a seven hitter? Like I don't see whoever the manager is doing that. I plus like you mentioned that back to back with him and Rosario. If especially since we're still playing National League ball, say it comes up that he bats leadoff in this in the third inning, right? Mm-hmm. So Nimo walks, Rosario singles. Now you bunt him over, so now you got second and third and one out for McNeil. You know, like it, it almost yeah. sets up the lineup perfectly. I've I've given up on very standard li- uh, lineup construction a while ago because like yeah i'd love nimmo to get more at bats being a leadoff hitter he's also only the leadoff hitter once the first inning so if he's batting ahead of rosario who has shown to become more of a contact hitter throughout the years that is runs at the bottom of your lineup and stretches it out where you then flip it over to the top of the order where it's much more consistent guys that are contact hitters guys that hit for power um guys that get on base it it's a good problem to have, you know? All right. So taking that all into account, I'm keeping Nimmo and Rosario together. Okay. But instead, I have Nimmo in the, in the leadoff spot and Rosario in the oh, ninth geez. spot. My pitcher oh, jeez. This lineup so, guy. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. And I also took Alonzo. I moved him down behind McNeil. So it's Nimmo. Wow. So Alonzo's your four hitter now. Okay. I'm ready. Alonzo's, Alonzo's my third hitter. With Conforto behind him, because I think that's going to afford Conforto a lot more pitches to see and a lot more pitches to hit. Um, so here, I got Nimmo in center field. Okay. I got McNeil at third base. I have Alonzo batting third at first, because I like having him up in the first inning, especially if Nimmo's ahead of him getting on base. Conforto in right. I'm putting Cano in front of Cespedes because I think Cespedes is going to do well there. And I think folks are either going to have to avoid Cano if they're both hitting, of course, and go for, go after Cespedes, which Cespedes loves, or go after Cano. And I think Cano, um, he's not that strikeout guy. He's going to put the ball in play. And with the guys ahead of him, I think that's going to work well. you got Ramos behind Cespedes. Let's hope for the best. I love hitting the pitcher eighth. Um so it's a little bit of Terry Collins in me. I just really, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy it. I think it if makes you have, things flow. If you have the right nine hitter, you can do it. And Rosario. And yeah. he's my number nine hitter. And I think that he's ideal for that spot. And um, I think our pitchers are good enough hitters that we can give them a shot in the eight hole and hope for the best. And even if they're a 200 hitter or 150 hitter, you know, it'll work out. Yeah. We but both my, have uh, Cespedes Cano Ramos back to back to back which I'm just realizing is very station to station, but I'll take it for now, I guess. Yeah. And if that's in my, if that's at the bottom of my lineup, I think I'm okay with that. Or yeah. The bottom, yeah. Bottom yeah. of my batting order. Um, this is so like much to, easier with a DH, by the way, nationally fans. Oh my gosh. It's, it, it, I can't, we've had this conversation and <laughs> I, I can't wait. I, I and I, I like some, I think it was Jason Stark from the athletic brought up a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was his idea or if he was passing along information. Nah, it was, I think it was him and another, uh, athletic guy, but in was the it? article it was like, Hey, we were tossed around this idea where, what is it? you, once you take your starting pitcher out, you lose your DH. Correct. And then it reverts back to National League rules. Yeah. That's really intriguing. I think that's a pretty cool way to go about things. It would solve, if like, say it happened this year, it lets you, if you're a Mets fan, 
Uh, keep Cespedes in the game till the sixth or seventh inning, whenever your pitcher comes out. Um, if you need to keep him in, you do, and you put him in left field, or he comes out if you have a lead for defense, like he would in other games or in a, na- a traditional National League game. Um, and for those of you that just can't seem to let go of the double switch, uh, it keeps that in play for late in the games. So exactly, and with a with such a a, um, a deep bullpen, um, you're going to have the opportunity to get all of these these potent bench bats in the game. Yeah, and, and yeah, I think that yeah, I, I I think I would be on board with that, and I think a lot of fans that are just staunchly against the DH, I think they would be more open to accepting it because it's not like it's their their choice. It's the league's choice yeah. or the union's choice, I should say. But uh, as long as that's the case, um, I, I think that that's a, uh, that's a way to kind of please everybody. And I'm, I'm curious to see whether um, MLB takes that kind of idea into account. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. I, th- I, dig I, it. I think it's just going to be a flat out. The DH comes to the National League and the end but uh if they want to fool around with it i'd be open to it as well now the mets uh, clearly they have uh some pretty tough competition in the nl east that they're gonna have to battle it out with and try to hopefully find themselves up uh, up at the top of the hill at the end of the season looking around the division do we feel like this might be the best division in baseball and i I think it kind of has to be the most competitive division because I mean, maybe the Central is the only other division where that can happen, where first through fourth, you could see a division a champ or a fourth place finish. But as far as the the best division, or at least maybe the most competitive would be the better word for it, then it kind of has to be the NL East. Plus, like, we're, we're not going to pretend that there wasn't just two playoff teams, one that won 97 games and one that won the World Series and one had the... Cy Young and the uh, the the Rookie of the Year last year, and then the Phillies, yeah. who have spent the most money out of all five teams. <laughs> like I think it has to be the most competitive. Oh, for sure, and I think that um, that's really good for the division. I think that all those interdivision games are going to be uh, exciting and, and really important. Um, the NL Central, I think that's. If there's anybody who's right up the, with with the NL East in, in the National League, it's got to be the Central. You just have you know the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Brewers, the the Reds who are greatly improved, and the Pirates who are probably going to be you know their divisions Miami Marlins. Yeah. Um, you know every division is going to have a weak link. It, it's how weak that link is, and how many more there are. I think that in the West, Colorado is a is a fifty fifty shot. Um, they have talented players, but they still don't really have the pitching to compete, especially not in, in Denver. Um, you look at San Francisco, that's going to be a, a big if. You know, They might make progress, but who knows? San Diego's only being projected as an 80-something win team. I think the NL Central, uh, if they're given any division in the National League run for their money, uh, the run, uh, if they're given the NL East a run for their money, uh, it'll be the NL Central. Moving over to the American League, um, I know that very you know, top you have, heavy. <laughs> you have the Astros in the West, and, and the A's are a very, very good young team. And with all the turmoil in Houston, I wouldn't be surprised if Oakland kind of jumps over them this year. Um, 
there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think it's going to be closer than people think. It's still a lot of talent in Houston, but boy, they have uh, uh, a lot of rebuilding to do as far as in-house. Um, just building that foundation up might be tough. Uh, the Rangers and the Mariners, uh, two you know, fun, exciting, talented teams. I just don't see them as you know. Maybe sitting around five hundred. Um, Who knows what the said, Angels are? That that's that's oh the Angels. Yeah, I, I I completely left out the Angels. Trout and the, Trout and Rendon in the same lineup should be interesting. It will. I think that they can make a run up there. That's a that's a certainly a uh, an option. Yeah, boy. I keep on forgetting that Rendon's out there. I keep on forgetting Otani is back to being a two-way player. I think it's going to be um, exciting, uh, to say the least. I, The AL Central, it might be a bit of a mess this year, but just to touch on them real quick, I love what the White Sox have done this year. Mm-hmm. I, I I gained a bunch of White Sox followers in the offseason because uh, I brought up, um, I guess, Zach Wheeler was was getting a little interest from them, and it turns out they were the highest bidder. But I gained a lot of White Sox followers. And, boy, these people are great, man. They love their baseball. They love their Sox. Um, I, I think I might be an honorary Sox fan this year. Oh. And it's, a, it's a fun core. <laughs> you and your, a, your side teams, I swear. Yo, I got side teams, bro. Yeah. I got side yeah. teams. No, the White Sox fans are Mets fans because they're the second citizen exactly. in their own city. But – you know, they they like to think of themselves as as true baseball fans as well. Like you think Chicago, you think the Cubs, you think Wrigley. But there's this other team on the north side that I guess not on the south side that south side. Yeah, yeah that uh, that has a, a long history that also has suffering as well. You know, yeah, we, we share little brother syndrome that there's certainly a kinship there. And and I dig it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trust me. I'm, I can relate. You know, <laughs> I like Tampa Bay. I think the Tampa Bay can make a real run at the Yankees. I, I'm just, I'm going through my notes. I have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. I agree with you. I think that it's either, it's gotta be the East or the central. Those are the two strongest divisions in baseball top to bottom. Because yeah, even the bad teams, like even the Marlins, I feel like they're going to make – they have to get better. They they do they? keep on selling everybody off. Yeah, do they? Do they? I think they do. I like, I, I know we're on this path where like Rob Manfred uh, uh, v- vouched for tanking a couple years ago, defending uh, what the Marlins were doing uh, because look at what happened to the Astros. Yeah, so the Marlins' plan should be they should tank, get a bunch of high-profile draft picks, and – then that's your core, and then institute an elaborate cheating system so that way they could win 100 games three years in a row. So that's what the Marlins have to do. Okay, got it. Well, I just I don't see Jeter letting his legacy be tainted any further. Mm-hmm. I, think that he, I think that he cares about that. Um, I, I don't see them remaining stagnant for a decade. I, you know, the Marlins have well, done this for yeah. the last 20 years. They They – Get good, they sell off everything, they get good again. They sell off everything and they get good again. It's it's almost uncanny and it makes me angry as a Mets fan to see them, the, the fucking, oh, excuse me, the Marlins <laughs> get it right. <laughs> like, how do they keep on doing this? How do they keep on selling off everything and then building a winner again? Like, see, it's because 97 it's Miami. To 03, 97 to 03 blew my mind and it still yeah. does. It yeah. still does. How do they do that? It was just, it was magic. It was, it was fun to watch. It was also really fun to watch the Yankees lose in 03, but, <laughs> um, like that was awesome. Josh Beckett, like dancing on Yankee stadium. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. The Yankees I, I, I go through the, uh, the, the 
classic seven game series with the Red Sox only to lose to the Marlins. Yeah. Oh, dude. And oh, yo, the Yankees were wiped. They played the Red Sox. Come on. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, Yankee like Josh- fans absolutely were wiped, you know, but going into oh. that series, though, plus not for nothing. You're up two one and then had a leading game game four and blew it, you know? Yeah. Like you, you had game Beckett six and seven. Paid. Oh, Josh yes. Beckett. <laughs> Josh Beckett got paid on that series. Yeah, he did. Um, he went to Boston, right? That's the well, that was- so not off a contract, but he got the. So what happened with Beckett was he stayed with the Marlins for another year or two. And then 06 was the Hanley Ramirez, uh, oh, Anibal nice. Sanchez trade that sent Josh Beckett and Mike Lowell to the Red Sox, which it's the ultimate uh, debate of would you rather have the prospects that the Marlins got in the deal or would you rather have the two veterans that the Red Sox trade for who were off the team in three years, but they won the ser- World Series in 07 with... Beckett going 4-0 in the playoffs and Mike Lowell winning the World Series MVP. So it's like the ultimate, what would you rather have, you know? I liked Lowell. I liked Lowell when he was with Florida. I liked Lowell when he was with Boston. Good, good player. Yeah. Boy, we got so off course here, but I don't care. It's good conversations. Yeah, baseball. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's baseball, baseball. <laughs> baby. Oh, God. I cannot wait for, for pitchers and catchers to start, man. So Just- that hasn't dissipated at all with everything that's happened the last week. What? You're still like excited for baseball. Even oh, even what, more. The I, way baseball, baseball is being talked about. I need baseball more than ever right now. Okay. I, I just, mean, that, I, I, it was like 60 degrees last week, and I grabbed my glove and, and was like, oh, you know what? This this should be – I can't wait for baseball. And then four days later, the Mets had to let go of their manager. And I was like, all right, I can kind of wait for baseball now. Um, yeah, me and me and my daughter were fielding grounders off the front steps the, uh, when it was nice and warm out. It was great. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm. I'm. Listen. I'm. Once baseball's here, I'll dive right in, and it'll be awesome. And I'm sure at some point we'll stop talking about what happened with the Astros. But oh, uh, it's gonna be a while. Yeah. I. I. I hate to say it, but this might be the first. It's like the I'm trying to think of the most significant steroid season, and that's like the thing about baseball is we kind of have this once every twenty years, and well, yeah. Then we get over it. Do you know what it feels more like to me is. The year coming back after the strike is nineteen ninety five. Ooh, oh, that that actually would be a better, a better well, just because comparison it, to it. Yeah, throughout the entire, I mean, up until a couple of weeks before the season, replacement players were in were in um, training camp, mm-hmm. were in spring training. Um, they were you know getting ready to to go forward with a season of of replacement players, and then I guess they cut it off, and they said no, we're going to go ahead and start it up. But with the um, I guess there was a delay before they started the season and then just the whole build up and it really it took a, it took a while for that to kind of leave the 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 new cycle the whole oh baseball's back but what's you know is it what what's what's different and this and that and we're not going to get into all that but it took Cal Ripken to kind of snap everybody out of it and, and remember oh my god this is such this is why we love this game um it was just a sour feeling. And I, and I think that's the parallel here is just that that sour kind of disgusted with the game feeling. And I think we all feel that to an extent. And I think I've just locked that up in the back of my head. And I'm not going to think about it. And I just want <laughs> baseball back. I'm going to be. Yeah, I'm going to be selfish. I just want baseball back. Yeah. I, I mean, ignorance is bliss. I, as they say. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. Listen, there's there's only one football game left. The Knicks are 11 and 33. The Islanders have lost, what, four in a row? And the Rangers. Five, uh, five in a row. Yeah. And the Rangers are nine points out of the last playoff spot. So we're kind of waiting for. for uh, I, what do you know? I didn't even mention that team in Brooklyn. They're a New York team, aren't they? They are. And Kyrie hasn't has played like seven games and they've lost like five of them. Hey, Kyrie's my favorite NBA player. Let's be easy on is him. Is he really? He is. I love Kyrie. Love him. It, the player or the off the court distraction? The player. The player okay. is even better. Because <laughs> I love, no, I love like the player is even Kyrie. better than the off court. I, I like the off court. I think he's just crazy enough to like. Oh. But I don't. I don't agree with him. And a lot of things he says, I don't necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. But I love that he's so open and he's so. Um, he he explains his point so well, and even when he's wrong, like flat Earth society wrong, um. But I appreciate his insight. That that's all. I don't agree with him, but I, I appreciate his insight. Um, sure. Um, I think he. The more he opens his mouth, the more a lot of Knicks fans can be happy that the offseason went the way it did. Not yeah, necess- but dude, he could change the game on the court. He ch- not, when he's healthy, uh, what are you uh, doing, Boston? What are you doing, Boston? Yeah. Like, what, are you doing? A, what are you doing, Cleveland, though? We're next to LeBron James. What was he before LeBron got there? He was Stefan no, Marbury. I think we all remember game seven, bro. That was With Kyrie's LeBron game. on the court. But that was LeBron on the court. Like That was Kyrie. Ah, we could do this for a long time. This is a Mets podcast, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> we were talking New York sports about a, we were. a, a, we a New York little... point guard that we forgot about. Andrew's I am back. ready. Oh, so it's sidetrack season. Exactly. The back half of those episodes where we go into tangents about the hall of oh that's tomorrow isn't it the hall of fame it is yeah Yeah, it is i can't wait we'll talk about that on my show we'll talk about that on my show we'll react to the i guess that's a a fun plug you're coming on final score my brand new podcast uh i am wednesday show uh we'll react we'll we'll react to the hall of fame and who got in and who should get in next uh i guess who didn't get in and who got in who should get in next um and we'll also break down in some detail the, this MLB cheating scandal because it's I personally find it fascinating and want to see if we can figure out where baseball goes from here. Uh, I know from Tim's perspective, you being like baseball is like your love language. So this being uh, a, a, a stain on the game, I know you're probably taking it pretty hard. So I look forward I- to having that conversation with you. I look, I just want things to move forward and we'll expand on that tomorrow, but I just want things to move forward. It's, it's in the best interest of the game for everybody to just move on. Yeah. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we can move on, you know, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping to expand outside of Mets tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, well, absolutely. (laughs) Listen, we, we, I went on a Mets pod and we expanded outside of Mets. So I'm pretty sure on my pod that has no parameters. We can, we can expand outside of it as well. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, I think we've touched on all our bases. Do you have any predictions for who's getting in? So tomorrow we can Oof, find the out Hall who's of Fame. Right. I think it's five. I think five of them are getting in. I've been following Ryan's uh, tracker throughout the offseason, but uh, I think Jeter is the lock of the century. He's getting in. I think Bonds and Clemens are going to make the Hall of Fame, which is wild to me that they're going to pick the year Jeter gets in to let these other two guys in. But I think Bonds and Clemens finally get in. Um, I, it's been a minute since I've checked it, but I'm pretty sure Larry Walker, it was in like 84, 85%. So to the uh, Larry Walker campaign, you did your job. He's going to make yeah. it. And uh, I think 
there is an outside shot. Kurt Schilling joins these four at Cooperstown in August this year. I'm actually going because every friend I have is a Yankee fan. So we're going to go watch Jeter uh, enter the Hall of Fame because they went with us, with me and my two other Mets fans to go see Piazza. So I was going to say, have you ever been up there, bro? What a blast. I have. I have. It. It's kind of a, a one time thing, though. Like, I get it. Like, if you're if you love baseball, which I do. There's a lot of floors to check out, but if you've checked it out once and you do the full detail, it's kind of like a just a museum, you know. So yeah. uh, I do I do enjoy it. If you it's if you're a baseball fan, you should go at least once and check it out. Um, it's also a good like take your kid like a, a teach you teach your uh, the next generation where this game came from because it's the oldest sport we have. So yeah. Oh man, I. Yeah, it's it's a treat going up for Hall of Fame weekend. It's a lot of people. Um, uh, that's the yeah, thing. It's defined treat. <laughs> it's a fine treat. It's the middle of August. There's no parking, and like you said, it's there's everybody and their mother is there. So, yeah, yeah, just wild. But um, yeah, I love it up there. I'll go up there. You know, in the winter, uh, just to go. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's 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 my uh, it's my Graceland. Yeah. Uh, as for my predictions. I only have two getting in tomorrow. Ooh, Derek, who? Derek Jeter, and he does get in unanimously, which we spoke about. I don't believe a guy who has such a glaring flaw in his game, which is his defense. <laughs> um, I, I'm not scared. It's, it's look at the stats. It's not opinion. That's fact. He was not a great defender. Um, Mariano Rivera. Mariano Rivera. That's a unanimous Hall of Famer. So does it matter if, if like, since Rivera was the first unanimous Hall of Famer, does it matter who is the second like does it matter to you it it doesn't matter who's the second it matters that the second and the third and the fourth it matters that they meet that level of excellence Mm -hmm. and in my mind jeter is an all-time great he's a first ballot hall of famer i just don't see him on that same level of excellence and i know there are Derek jeter lovers out there and Derek Jeter haters i was a Derek jeter fan his offensive game was exciting and you don't find players like that who could actually excite you with their offensive game and he it wasn't even like it, it was a boring game he he was he would line hit line drives he wasn't yeah, a he power was, guy it was a consistent game you know but he was a freaking machine yeah and um first bout hall of famer for sure but i just in my mind he doesn't meet that level he doesn't exceed that threshold but Who's not going to vote for Derek Jeter? That's that's the question. Wow. I think everyone's going to vote for him, and I think he'll go in unanimously. And Larry Walker gets in, but I don't. I don't think Bonds, uh, Bonds and Clemens um, pan out. Um, I think that they continue to make you know incremental progress. Um, and next year's their I'm, last year, right? It is. It's a tenth. Next, yeah, yeah, it's their tenth. I'm curious to see the strides that Roland took and Jeff Kent. Um, oh, we got to talk about Ramirez, this tomorrow. The who, the who should wait. get in, who should get in eventually? Because I have some takes. There's one glaring one that I'll save for the pod tomorrow. But there's yeah, one that because like he played in our division for my entire life that he absolutely is all a famer. And the fact that he's not getting attracted annoys me. So huh. okay, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, now I'm, I'm kind of thinking, but okay. Um, so yeah, I have Jeter and Larry Walker. Those are my two going in tomorrow. Okay. And, and I really hope Larry Walker gets in. He deserves it. It kind of needs to be 
Jeter and somebody else because I want no part of Cooperstown or upstate New York with 8 million Yankee fans. Because if it's just like, let's celebrate Derek Jeter all weekend, they absolutely will. Yeah, you want them Colorado fans out I just there. want like, somebody else. They, they bring the good time with them. That's all I want is somebody else. It was cool to have Mets fans there, but we got to share it with Griffey and a bunch of Mariners fans that made the trip, and we had to share. Yankee fans don't know how to share, so you can have Jeter and somebody else. I need them to learn how to share, okay? Well, uh, trust me, Colorado folks know how to share. There you those, go. Those, yeah, those my people out there. Wow, you all got right, man. people all around the league. Chicago, San Diego, Colorado. Oh, I actually, I actually have family out in Colorado. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> so it's literally you have people out in Colorado. So Well, I, I have one cousin who lives out there, but she's close. And just, that's those are my people out there, man. Well, hi, Tim's cousin. Shout out. Hi. Hey, Tria. I hope you're listening. <laughs> Tim, this is a blast, but thank you for having me on. I, uh, uh, anytime, dude. I, this is long overdue. Look forward to having you on my pod. So that's uh, same here. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Everybody, you know where to find us. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find us. Um, if you enjoyed the show, as always, please subscribe. Leave a, a, a friendly and, and a preferably high starred review. Uh, whoa, whoa, we'll whoa, see whoa, 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 whoa! Five <laughs> stars only. Say I, nice I things about Tim. I don't okay. want to impose pressure. No, there I do. No, pressure. no, five stars only. Okay. <laughs> some of us not only host this show, some of us edit this show. Make the work worth it. Five stars only. Comment with your favorite Met. Comment with your favorite Met Daddy tweet that drew you up the wall. Okay. Whatever you oh, have to Mets do. Daddy. Me and Met Daddy got into it this weekend. I love I John, I love you, bro. I'm sorry I got a little <laughs> upset. I just I was a little fired up. I apologize. Uh-huh. <laughs> no comment no that's okay I'll, I'll defend MD I'll stand on that hill with him mm-hmm. that's my buddy but um, but yeah folks we'll see you later in the week I believe um, I believe I have an MMO friend coming back we will uh, jump into that and confirm all that soon but uh, of course check out Andrew's podcast final score I'll be guesting on it with him tomorrow that'll be out uh Maybe Tuesday or Wednesday? Andrew? Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning Wednesday it'll morning drop. Yep. It'll be out. So uh, please, everyone, check that out. And um, we'll see you next time. Let's go Mets. Let's get out of this mess. There you go. Let's go Mets. And I might as well, in the words of the immortal Gary Cohen, we are out of here. Yeah!